Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, let's start by offering our deepest, deepest condolences to the Allen family. Owen English has the front page story on the examiner uh, today talking about the tributes that have been paid to the elderly couple who were killed in that horrific multi-vehicle crash here in uh, Cork. John Patrick Allen, he was known as JP, and his wife Bernadette, who was known as Berna, both in their early 80s, died yesterday when the car which he was uh, driving was involved in a head-on collision. It was with a car transporter. It was on a stretch of the N28 between the Shannon Park roundabout and Shan Valley Village and it happened yesterday morning the couple who were said to have been devoted to each other bless their hearts uh, lived in Glenwood housing estate that's in Carrigaline which was less than a kilometre away and tragically according to Owen English this morning they died on this sweeping bend close to Raffine Creek Golf Club where both were hugely respected lifetime members. Berna Allen was a former lady captain and her husband had had numerous positions in the club over the years. It was a road they obviously knew really well. Now the guard investigation obviously is underway into the cause of the accident and it's also hoped that an autopsy might be able to shed light on whether Mr Allen suffered some form of a medical episode in the moments before the collision. And local Fianna Fáil councillor Seamus McGrath described the incident as a dreadful, dreadful tragedy. He said the community have been left just completely shocked by this. It's just terribly sad news. And he went on to extend deepest sympathies to the family and our thoughts and prayers are with them all. And uh, indeed, uh, we all send on our deepest, deepest sympathies to the family. And may JP and his wife, Berna, uh, may they rest in peace. It's such a sad, sad uh, story. 0818-103-103. John Paul taking uh, your calls. Uh, later on today, on the, actually this hour on the programme, we're going to be talking about that false, noble false widow spider. We spoke about it yesterday when Sarah Jane joined us on the programme to talk about her little baby, Charlie, 15 weeks, 15 weeks old. And it was last week, Charlie, you know, having a bit of tummy time he was on his little play mat and uh, started for no reason just started screaming and uh, when uh, Sarah Jane tried to work out what was wrong it was when she took off his little trousers she thought maybe he just needed a nappy change Uh, he had these these welts on his leg and she realised very quickly that he'd been bitten and then when she started to take the rest of his clothes off this noble false widow spider shot out of his the top that he was uh, wearing she had the sense now to trap the spider immediately which was a very clever thing to do so they were able to identify then that it was a noble false widow spider and of course she explained to us that NUI in Galway have been doing research on this particular spider which has become quite uh, invasive here in this country and it seems very few of us uh, have, we'll have a house or a garden where there won't be a noble false widow spider so we've invited 
the one of the researchers, Dr. John Dunbar, to join us this morning just to talk a little bit more about the noble false widow spider, a little bit about it, how it came into this country. What should we be worried about? What do we need to look out for? So if anybody has a question with regard to the noble false widow spider, uh, get it in uh, to us already. Seeing, for example, Meg has been on to say that her neighbour was bitten by one of those spiders and actually became very, very ill. So I think there is, I will find out a little bit more what happens to most people if they're bitten from what I can from what I can gather, it's like a very bad sting is the reaction. Then it will eventually die down. But, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know why some people will end up having to be uh, have to go to hospital and end up being hospitalised and some people will become very sick. I don't know how, if we can work out who is most at risk from a bite from one of these spiders. Well, we'll talk more about that. But if you have a question on the noble false widow spider, you can get that, those uh, into us. And I take it that every single business owner must have felt huge sympathy and then started to worry for themselves when they heard about the cafe owner from Aslone who's struggling to work out how she would pay an electricity bill when it arrived for the two months of the summer when normally your electricity bills are lower than what they are during the winter months and she opened up her bill to discover her bill was for ten, almost €10,000. It's Geraldine Dole and you might have spotted her on the news talking yesterday. She runs the Poppy Fields Cafe and Restaurant in Aslone. She said she was absolutely stunned by the bill. It comes after she spent two years struggling through lockdowns just to keep her little business afloat. She said she was in total shock. After working so hard, she feels this is a real, real kick in the teeth. Now, her business account had been with the Spanish company Iberdrola, but they pulled out of the electricity supply business in June. And when that happened, it meant that her electricity then automatically, her account shifted over to Electric Ireland. So the bill that she received was from the 8th of July to the 19th of uh, August. So the bill was for €9,836. By the way, 812 of that was for VAT. First thing I thought, I wonder how much of that is VAT. So 812 for VAT. Now, it was a slightly longer period than normal. I mean, most of our domestic bills and, and business bills will be for a two month period. So this was for two two months and two weeks. And the reason for that was the switch over from Iberdrola to uh, Electric uh, Ireland. And she says, literally, if electricity bills continue like this, she said, I don't know how I'm going to cope. Should a cost like that is just bananas. Now, she already has a consultant who has been helping her to switch providers regularly. And they've been doing that to ensure that she is getting the best rate. But the the, the cafe's account only moved to Iberdrola back in October and obviously they signed up for a 12-month contract. So that means she can't move again until the end of September, the start of October. So she has to stick with Electric Ireland. She said her annual electricity bill for the cafe for the entire year last year, so for all of 2021, her bill was 12,700. And here she gets a 10-month bill of almost 10,000 euro. And she said if the electricity charges continue at the price that's been set at the moment, if she's not able to get a better deal, she's worked it out, she'd end up having to fork out 45,000 euro excluding VAT for one a year. She employs 11 staff. Some of them are part-time. The cafe is open six days a week. The cafe does use gas 
but it all all of its ovens are electric so there would be a lot of electricity used in the cafe she says the business was just recovering after being forced to close due to COVID and she says a lot of businesses are in the very same position she says there's no way it can continue like that and she has contacted Electric Ireland but she's got uh, no response. I suppose part of her problem is the fact that Ibadrola left and then she automatically switched over to Electric Ireland and of course what did Electric Ireland do then? They obviously put her on the top tariff which seems really, really unfair but I, I imagine that that particular story has put the fear of God into a lot of businesses and into a lot of homeowners as well and then of course I was, I was watching and trying to listen out with great interest what was happening at the Oireachtas Energy Committee yesterday because they were in emergency session and to hear from that because they brought in the Energy Minister Eamon Ryan before them to answer questions to hear him say the worst is yet to come for electricity and gas customers he said no end in sight to the forces that are driving bills sky high. Eamon Ryan said there was no miracle cure and he says there's no way to cushion everyone from the impact of the war in Ukraine and the impact that that is happening on the energy prices. He says uh, we are in an absolute crisis. He says people are not going to really see it coming until the bills hit in November, December, January, February. The bills that are always high for most people uh, they're going to be even higher he said the way this war is looking there's no end in sight and he said that's the most frightening thing the minister was as I say one of those who was addressing that emergency meeting of the Iraq this energy and climate committee and they convened that emergency meeting to examine growing concerns over energy security fears have been mounting of course of power outages that will happen this winter because demand for electricity has been growing faster than the capacity of generators to produce it. While there was contracts to buy in extra generation capacity, but unfortunately they collapsed in legal wrangles. Minister Ryan, uh, however, said he had to be upfront with the public and he says that the biggest energy-related issue that we were going to face was going to be price and he said that's going to be above the lights actually going out. Wholesale gas prices are now 14 times higher than average with major, which that's obviously having major effects on gas bills, but it's also having major effects on electricity bills because most of our electricity in this country is generated by burning gas. And that's why you'll hear people, and I've been in discussions with people when they hear about gas prices going up and people saying, oh, sure, I'm, we're very lucky we don't have gas in, the, in this house. It doesn't matter whether you have gas. I think people who have gas are the ones that are getting a double whammy because their gas bills are going up, as are their electricity prices. But because we generate most of our electricity through gas, that's why the price of gas is affecting all of our electricity bills. Gas and electricity suppliers. They've already, as we know, imposed multiple price increases over the past year with a warning that more are to come. And the the National Energy Regulator, the CRU, they were also before the Oireachtas Committee yesterday. Their chairperson echoing the warnings and echoing what Minister Ryan was saying. She said that her office would support the government in rolling out measures to help customers. But she did add, as Minister Ryan outlined, the scale of the challenge is huge. It's beyond anything, they, she said, we've seen before. Now, supports are promised in next month's budget. Most people are banking on, remember, the €200 Euro that we all received off our electricity bills 
it's it's expected that that's going to happen again and it'll happen sometime between now and Christmas so that will soften the bills somewhat. Eamon Ryan also wouldn't uh, elaborate uh, except to uh, on what, they, what else the government were going to do as part of the budget although he did say that a windfall charge on energy firm product profits was still being considered because that's the one thing that really annoys me we know we have this energy uh, crisis we know we're not the only country to be battling with high electricity prices but to me there is something really immoral in energy companies making huge huge profits when we have a global energy uh, crisis. So is that one way of hitting them with the windfall charge? They w- they've got to make sure that they hit them hard because it's just, as I say, I think it's just immoral that any company could be with glee in an office saying, oh, we're just making more and more uh, profits on the back of a global energy crisis. If you are sitting, sipping a cup of tea at the moment and you're enjoying it, well, drink up because regular consumption of tea can actually reduce the risk of an early death. It's according to a study that has come out of almost uh, almost half a million older people. And it seems regular consumption can reduce the risk of early death because they looked at the tea drinking habits of this half a million older people and they followed them over the next number of years. Those who drank two or more cups of tea a day were up to 13% less likely to die over the next 14 14 years compared to the non-tea drinkers. It seems tea leaves contain plant compounds which experts now believe may protect blood vessels, making death from heart problems and stroke less likely. Researchers found adding milk and sugar to the tea didn't change the lower risk of early death among the tea drinkers. And according to one of the doctors that led the study, it was at the National Institute of Health in America. The study is observational and more research is needed, but he says it may provide reassurance for tea drinkers that the habit can be part of a healthy diet. Habitual tea drinkers were less likely to die early regardless of whether they added milk and our sugars to the tea and regardless of how hot they drank it. Any amount of tea from two cups a day onwards were linked to a lower risk of dying over the next 14 years. So put the kettle on. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Now every year some college students scramble to find accommodation and because of our current housing crisis, this year is proving to be probably the most difficult one to date. To share her story, I'm joined by Trilly native Mary-Kate Lacey, who is due to start second year at University College Cork in about two weeks' time. And she still has not been able to find uh, accommodation. Good morning to Mary-Kate. Good morning, Trisha. I'm very well and, and you're welcome uh, to the programme. And um, my heart goes out to you that you find yourself in this di- dilemma. So I suppose, firstly, what, what are you studying and how did first year go for you? So I'm going into second year in about two weeks' time. I'm studying the arts and then hoping to go into secondary school teaching from that. Um, first year, it, it, to be fair, considering it was blended, it was 50 online, 50 on campus, it actually went quite well. It went quite smoothly. The transition in from secondary school into college went quite well. There was a lot of support there from the college and um, I think there was a lot of students happy with how they handled it. And you enjoyed living in Cork for part of the year, as you say, it was blended. Yes, yeah. So I was living in Cork full time. I was living up there 
Monday to kind of Sunday, really, and I'd come home then if I ever had a weekend off from work. But I was up there really for nine months of the year, and I just absolutely fell in love with the city, I fell in love with the people, and I fell in love with the college. Brilliant, brilliant. So where did you live last year? I lived out on Model Farm Road in Bishopstown in Eaton Hall. Okay, and was that available to you this year? No, that wasn't available this year. When I went to put my name down for it, it was already full and there was already a waiting list. So I did put my name on the waiting list, but there wasn't any joy with that. So where else then did you start searching for accommodation? So kind of the middle of March, the start of April, um, that's when a lot of the applications opened for the student housing um, across the city. So I applied to 15 or 20 different accommodations. I applied to the ones owned by the privately owned ones, um, rooms and houses, and there was just no joy at all. And then I looked into the dig situation, and there's not that many digs there because, like that, there is an appeal going on across the country for homeowners to open their homes to So I've kind of gone down every route, and I just haven't really had much luck with it. Is cost an issue as well, Mary Kate? I think it's cost and it's availability. Like I was looking at one two weeks um, accommodation building in the city. And for a bedroom in an apartment with seven other students, they were looking for €9,500 for the 35 period, which is just an extortionate amount of money to ask students to pay or parents and students to pay for a bedroom in an apartment. It's just, it's ridiculous. For, for an apartment with seven others? Yes, yeah. So it's, in, um, um, it's a student building, but you share an apartment with seven students. There's eight of you all together. So there's their own room and then it's a shared living space. And it's €9,500 for the 35 weeks. Nearly 10,000 each. Yeah, 10,000 each. And that, that was just for one apartment. You can imagine how many apartments there is this building. So you can imagine how much money those kind of buildings are getting off. That's, that is, talk about a license to uh, print money. Yeah, um, and that was actually the cheapest option. There was four or five options you could choose from. So a standard room, a double room, a deluxe room. And they went as far as 275 euros a week. So when you break that down, just yeah, completely outside of most people's uh, price range. I mean, we're we're heading now towards education is for families that are wealthy, which is which it was once upon a time. But I thought yeah. we'd come a, a long way for, from that. Um, I, I take it. Did you look at sort of doing trying to do a house share with friends? Yeah, like that. I like I said, I've exhausted every last option, and there's just been nothing. I kind of become the poster child for I think now these days about this student housing crisis I've spoken to Radio 1 I've been on the 9 o'clock news I've spoken to the independent local radio centrally and local newspapers yourselves and it's just it is a problem and nobody's listening like there are not a lot of options out there for students at all uh, Is commuting an option? Commuting is right now I have two options it's commuting six hours up and down the country or deferring my course, and of course, deferring my course is the last thing I want to do. I sat my leaving cert during the pandemic. I was the class of 2020, so I didn't actually sit any leaving cert. And I put my head down through all of that, and through all the uncertainty, and I got my points, and I got my place, and I deserve to be there as much as every other student does. So I don't want to have to defer my course. I don't want to have to defer my future, because I have nowhere to live. So right now, my only option is to keep six hours up and down the country Monday to Friday. Yeah, and, and the other thing about deferring, uh, Mary-Kate, you could be back with me this time next year having the same conversation. It, it doesn't necessarily, 
you know, deferring is, is certainly not uh, not the answer. No. And, and a commute, you're saying, is, is it three hours from Tralee to Cork City? Yeah, if you take the train, it's three hours to the Tindo with Mallow, so they're adding about 45 minutes to the journey. So it's going on two hours, 45 minutes, and then a bus to the station out to the college is actually probably over three hours collectively, really, um, round trip. And are you seriously thinking of that? Uh, it's right now, it's, it's, it's not a case of thinking about it, it's a case of that's what's going to be happening. Oh, God. And you've, and you've got to try and study as well. Yeah, and I, I have a time job up in Cork. I work in the city and my like my job, I just absolutely fell in love with my job. I love all the girls I work with. And my manager actually got on to me last week saying, we must take you back when the term starts and your job's there for you. And I couldn't accept that offer because I don't know where I'm going to be. I can't promise her I'll be available for 20 hours a week because I'll be travelling up and down and I can't get a job at home because I'll be travelling up no, and down. No, so no, no. you you finding yeah. the money to do this? Your job is 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 certainly gone um, uh, for sure, uh, and the digs you you say that there's just not enough families offering to bedrooms for digs. No, there's not a lot of families offering them at all, and I completely understand. You know, it's it's a hard thing to ask homeowners to open up their homes to strangers and open up their homes to students, especially when we're just out of a pandemic. I do understand that people are weary of it and people are kind of uncertain about it, but there is a crisis going on and it's absolutely options for a lot of students. It is appreciated by the students when homeowners do open up their homes and I hope that a lot of more start doing it. The UCC Students' Union, have they been of any help to you, Mary-Kate? The UCC Students' Union has actually been a great help. They were the ones that put me in contact with Orchard Radio 1 and all of the interviews kind of set a rolling in after that. So they've been on to me a couple of times asking to interview the different people They've given me different kind of resources and emails and people's emails. They, they have been a great help. I must, I must give them credit. They, they are a great support to their students. Okay, so we'll put the shout out if there's anybody in and around uh, UCC that knows of any accommodation uh, going and we have all of Mary-Kate's uh, details as well. It's 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 really, really tough. And then when you think about it, the Leaving Cert results for this year obviously have been delayed. They're not out until Friday. Yeah. We're going to have first years hold of a hope if they haven't already pre-booked a place. Yeah, the first years, my heart doesn't go out for them like that. If you don't have your place already, there's not a lot of hope that I have that they are going to get when my brother is in the sixth year today. And I really, really hope he's not going to go through the same thing next year that I'm going through right now. Because if I had to go through all of this in the first year, it would put me off going to college because it's a scary thing moving away from home and transitioning from secondary school to current level education on its own, let alone having to deal with a housing crisis and let alone having to deal with the thought of being homeless, essentially. So I hope the first years aren't suffering like a lot of the second, third years, and even master's students there. Okay, it's been a very stressful time, I imagine, the summer, Mary-Kate, has it? Yeah, it's, I think stressful is an understatement now mm. at this stage. Like it's, it's just a constant thought on your mind. It's a constant thought on my family's mind. It's not just me affecting, it's my family. And it's. I think it's just so unfair. And people just need to start listening to the government needs to start listening to us and solutions need need to be found okay listen hang in there Mary Kate and thank you so much for sharing your story with us today Patricia thank you so much for having me on good morning to you bye bye Mary Kate Lacey there from uh, Tralee at a six hour 
plus round trip to commute to college. That's not the college experience I think that anybody expects. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, yesterday we heard from Cork mother Jane Dennehy, who outlined what happened last week to her 15-month-old baby, Charlie, when he was bitten by a noble false widow spider. Sarah Jane spoke about the help she got from NUI Galway, who had been studying this spider and its effects on our ecology. So to share information with us, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Dr. John Dunbar of NUI Galway's Ryan Institution. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. Uh, you're very welcome to the programme. I suppose start at the beginning. What do we know about this noble false widow spider and how it ended up in this country? Well, the noble false widow spider was recorded here in Ireland back in 1998. And um, <clears throat> it was in uh, Bray County, Wicklow. And before that, there was no sign of the, the spider in Ireland at all. Uh, no recordings, and then we carried out a study in 2017, and we found that they're quite widespread across uh, East Coastal counties, and even in, in general across uh, 16 counties in Ireland. And since then, we, we we've documented them in, in uh, another few counties. And what we know is that they are closely related to black widows, and they do uh, possess a potent neurotoxin. Um, it, that is <clears throat> specifically uh, targets the nervous system of vertebrates. Uh, this is effective for the spiders because sometimes in the wild they would prey on little lizards and so on. Uh, but when they bite people, uh, this can have an effect which could cause uh, extreme pain uh, or in some cases uh, a little bit more severe symptoms, uh, cramping, um, it can make you feel like you flu-like symptoms um, and so on. It can cause a little uh, mild necrosis as well. Uh, but the spider can also uh, it, it kind of uh, vector bacterial infections as well. So it's uh, something that we're not typically used to in Ireland where we have a spider that can actually uh, uh, cause some symptoms like this. Uh, people don't usually complain of being, about being bitten yeah, by spiders. Yeah, gen- generally speaking, spiders don't bite, do they? No, um, so the, the spider itself uh, is generally uh, a shy spider. It shies away from people. It's not an aggressive species, um, but but occasionally it gets itself caught up in our clothing and our bed sheets, and uh, when feel threatened, like when it's trapped, uh, it's slightly squashed or whatever, it, it'll give in. Yeah, and that's what happened in the case of baby Charlie. It was in his trouser leg, and uh, obviously yes, then he yeah. he was he was wiggling um, around. Somebody wants to know: Can it cause anaphylactic shock? Um, actually, uh, spider venom in general is not typically known for causing uh, anaphylaxis. So uh, it's something that we regularly hear uh, that uh, the false with a spider venom is only dangerous if you're allergic. Uh, but typically, spiders are not especially known for causing allergic reactions. Uh, the symptoms of the false widow bite is from the venom. Uh, it, of course, everything, you go, you go out, uh, the cold air, you're going to have an immune response to that. Um, our skin is our first barrier, our first immune response to the environment. So everything will, will you know, affect the immune system. But in this case, the, the effects 
uh, will be mildly from the immune system, but uh, more so from the actual effects of the venom. As I said, like it has a potent neurotoxin that can affect uh, vertebrates, especially humans. So if you get bitten by one, it, it feels a little bit like a, uh, like a, a bee sting or a wasp sting, is it? Yeah, so the, the pain can be kind of ranging from mild to, in, in some cases, quite severe. We've had people who were hospitalized, put on morphine, all sorts of things uh, for, from just the debilitating pain that this venom can cause. Uh, we've had people experience body tremors uh, because, again, it's, it's a potent neurotoxin. It is basically, in small vertebrates, it call it, it's a neuromuscular paralysis. Uh, so, you know, it, it can cause a range of symptoms and it's not, not every person will experience all the symptoms. Uh, but when you start to gather enough case reports, you start to kind of get a better idea of the type of symptoms that, that they can evolve. So lots of people are saying, uh, ask John, what is the advice if you are bitten by one? What should you do? In general, uh, if you're bitten, just keep an eye on the, the symptoms. Um, you should expect pain. And you should expect some redness, swelling, perhaps, uh, in some cases, itchiness, uh, goosebumps. Um, but usually the, the symptoms will reside after a number of hours, possibly a day or two. Uh, but keep an eye on them if they persist or if they escalate, uh, certainly see your GP. If you're very concerned, uh, there's no, no uh, harm going to A&E. Uh, but I wouldn't rush out panicking uh, mm. You know, if you, if you feel you got stung, because you get a lot of people who they think they were bitten by something and probably were bitten by something, uh, but immediately attributed to a spider bite. And quite often, you know, somebody might go to a, a chemist or their GP with a red mark, and, and you know, sometimes it's diagnosed as a fault with a spider bite. And generally speaking, most of the time it wouldn't be, it could be an insect. Uh, typically, if you, you you would see the spider, or if you roll over, crush the when you're asleep, the spider remains would still be there, you know, and that that would be considered a confirmed spider bite. But there's no like we we should be uh, alert about it because um, it's new. And as I said, you know, when you get stung by a bee, it, there's uh, pain inducers. Uh, but when you're the pain that's caused by the false willow bite is a different uh, toxin. It's a neurotoxin. So we need to keep an eye on that. But um, it doesn't mean we all have to be alarmed about it. When you are stung by bees and wasps, you can go onto the internet, you can go into your local chemist. There is plenty of information about it. And all we're trying to do is to provide that information so that people can be reassured about what to expect. Okay. Uh, but we still need to be vigilant because it's still very new and we, we still don't know the full uh, capability of, of the species. Okay, Lucy wants to know, should you apply something like an anti-itch cream or maybe calamine lotion? Would that help? Uh, you, you could, yeah, it's, it's no harm with that. Generally, yeah. um, ask your, your uh, GP if you, you know about applying you know some uh, you know even taking hand antihistamines some people do uh antibacterial give it a give it a wipe with an antibacterial uh, wipe uh wash the general area just keep it clean um yeah it, it generally it, it, in most cases it's just a case of pain management okay how would you identify a false a noble false widow it t- typically uh, they're very small uh, they're kind of like marble size maybe size of a, a small grape or something. They're not as big as some of the big spiders we actually have in Ireland. Um, they're typically uh, bulbous. They've got a big, dark 
kind of coloration, uh, bulbous abdomen. And one of the distinctive characters is a cream stripe running across the, the front of the abdomen. In some, some cases, especially with uh, younger specimens or male specimens, you will see a very bright, um, intricate pattern on the, the top of the abdomen. In some cases, it resembles a skull, uh, but very dark, uh, sorry, uh, very mature females typically go very dark and you don't really see a pattern on them except for that cream pattern. And that's typically one of the, one of the many reasons why they're called uh, false widows, because they resemble black widows when, when they become very dark. And are they related to the black widow? Yes, they're very closely related to the black widows. Um, uh, we carried out a study also on the, the venom composition, and we found that they actually have up to 70% of the same toxins in the venom repertoire as true black widows. But a black widow is much more dangerous, isn't it, a bite from a black widow? Um, I Well, there's misconception there as well, because like in many parts of the world, the true black widows are actually your typical Black garden spider, you know, uh, people all around the world live with black widows, you know, in in Europe, southern Europe, right across the Middle East, uh, Africa, Australia, North America, South America. And, the you know, most people, the thousands of people are bitten every year and probably 60 to 70 percent of them wouldn't even need to go to a GP. The, the, the effects are so mild and only a certain amount then are the symptoms a bit more severe and very rarely do, do people uh, uh, die from a black widow. Oh, okay. that's in a, the that's... case of the false widow, we, we've only really documented, now there are many bites and genuine bites out there, but we've only actually documented up to 24 of these in the medical literature. And, you know, within this, we're already seeing uh, a very similar pattern where we have mostly mild uh, symptoms, but we do see, you know, some of them getting a little bit more serious. So that's why we need to be more kind of vigilant. Okay. And, and because this particular spider is so good at killing its uh, opponents, do you expect that we're going to see a lot more of them in this country? I think so. Uh, the, 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 without shocking you too much, at the moment, we're already talking about millions Oh. Uh, they're 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 very very well established. Uh, I won't say there's no chance of getting rid of them, but I think there's no chance of getting rid of them completely. Uh, what we need to do is just uh, monitor them and learn as much about them as we can. And it, it seems you know right across the UK because they, they were first recorded in the UK back in 1879, uh, but it's only since around the 1990s that they've really just taken off and expanded their, their range and their, their population density. And this is uh, when we noticed them in Ireland as well and across Europe, uh, North America, South America. They are really, you know, expanding into areas and, and becoming quite dominant. Um, we don't know to what extent they're going to continue, uh, but I think they're here for the long haul and it's something that we, we, we will get used to. And if it does become uh, dominant, what are the dangers from this spider to our natural habitats and, and our ecology systems? And uh, well, well, this is is in, in a way unprecedented because we really don't know, and that's why we're we're pushing this research. We, we the lab has spent over a half a decade researching this, and if you put it into a global context, like spiders in general are very important because they consume uh, between four and 800 million tons of prey each year. And they're, they're very important to our ecosystem. They, they keep uh, pests like mosquitoes and house flies, you know, uh, animals that, uh, bugs that 
pass on diseases and so on. And to keep all these uh, critters in check, and they're very important to the, to the ecosystem, and we really don't want to be messing with that. Um, but at the moment, it's unprecedented. We, we don't know, and that's why it's important that we continue the research uh, so that we're, we're prepared, because uh, there are other spiders that have come into Ireland over the years, uh, and they've, they've established, but they're nowhere near as abundant as these, and they're certainly not implicated in uh, biting people and, and so on, putting people into the emergency services. There, in fact, we, we have actually two other false widow spider species uh, present in Ireland since the 1800s and the early early 1900s, but they're, they're, they're nowhere near as abundant. Okay, I just find the, the name fascinates me, Noble False Widow. Where, where did that come from? Yeah, so, so the, the Noble False Widow, uh, the, the name is Steatota nobilis, uh, it's a Latin for noble, and the in general, the, the genus Steatota, uh, is related to the genus Latrodectus, and Latrodectus is the true black widows. Oh, and so, in, in in habitats around the world where 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 false widows, different false widow species occur, there's over 120 species of false widows, and the they a lot of them occur in the same habitat as true black widows. So they're they're not only just closely related, uh, they don't only only just look like each other, but they also live in the same habitat. So it becomes a distinction for for locals um, between although that's not a black widow uh, because it doesn't have the red hourglass or has disc markings, that's actually the false black widow, uh-huh. and that's where where these that's common what, names yeah, come from. from. Okay, all right, it's it really is fasc- fascinating, and I, I'm wondering, John, have you always been fascinated by spiders? Um, I I would have always been fascinated from 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 a kid, you know. Uh, me, yeah. myself, my brother were always, you know, dropping things on the webs and watching them, you know, come out. <laughs> I did develop uh, in my younger years a real fear of them as well. I, there was a few incidents where uh, they ran out on the web and gave me a fright. I think I I left my shoes for a summer underneath the bed as a kid, and I pulled them out, and there was a little spider in it. And it gave me the fright of my life. It was a few reasons <laughs> like that. And it set me off on a trajectory of fear for a number of years. And actually, when I started doing this research, it, it really helped because at the time of starting this research, if a big spider ran across the floor, I was on the couch asking my <laughs> wife to, to catch it and put it out. Uh, but now I've, I've uh, managed to step up and, you you're know, uh, after now. looking you're, at thousands of these under the microscope. <laughs> you're braver and you are just a mine of information. It was a real pleasure talking to you, John. Thank you for that. And uh, Thank you very uh, much. thanks uh, for joining us this morning. That is Dr. John Dunbar of NUI Galway's Rhine Institute. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Anne was on to say hi, Patricia. Loved listening to your interview with Dr. John Dunbar speaking all about spiders. He sounds like a fun person. My house and garage full of spiders webs. I actually put a big spider out of the kitchen last night. I have a daughter-in-law who's absolutely terrified of them. She doesn't live here in Ireland. Uh, She lives in a different country. I have to rescue butterflies and wasps all the time. But having listened to John this morning, I'm certainly going to be more careful in how I handle them into the uh, future. Yeah, you could end up getting a right nasty bite if you pick up the wrong one. And But yeah, he was, I enjoyed the interview as well. He seems like a, a really nice guy. And really, that's why I asked him at the end, did you, were you always fascinated with spiders? He sounded like one of those children. You know, little boys have a, have a real love of spiders and creepy crawlers. Crawly. So I was just interested to see, was he one of those kind of kids? Thanks for your text. And Eileen listening to... 
poor old Mary Kate from Tralee trying to get accommodation it'll break your heart wouldn't it Eileen says uh, Patricia just a piece of advice for Mary Kate from Tralee looking for student accommodation I wonder has she tried hostels in Cork City my son used to use hostels when he was studying in NUI in uh, Galway he found them much cheaper as well yeah it's another option but listening to her I think she's used she's tried every single option possible in, in particular she's uh, even gone down the route of looking for digs but it just doesn't look like a lot of families for whatever reason are don't want to do digs there's always there'll always be a cohort of people that will do digs but I know all of the student unions are trying to encourage more families who've never considered taking in a student before that they might consider doing it this year I saw for example the student unions in Dublin were outside all the Lewis stops handing out leaflets asking people would they consider particularly people who live anywhere near within a walking distance of a college but it looks like the UCC students who've been trying to do the same thing are not having much luck getting new families to open up and take in college students and it is a way of making money as well so people might consider it and listening to Mary Kate she sounds like a lovely lovely young girl uh, who'd be an asset I think in any household 0818 103 103 Hi Patricia I was reading about a young lad who was a place in a college in the United Kingdom but because he's the leaving set results are late this year they're not out until uh, Friday there is the possibility now he might lose his place in his UK college why can they not be out in time in this country well I think this year was again it's a kind of a throwback to COVID it's because this is the first year that we've had the students doing the exams the way we always did it before the pandemic but because the last two years we had the year where college students didn't sit a leaving search and then uh, last year the students could opt for either to sit the exams or they could opt for predictive uh, grades and because of that the, the grades were higher so they knew this year that this year's students would be at a disadvantage over last year's student so they had to put a system in place uh, to make it as fair as possible and because of that it was delaying the uh, results but in the UK their A-level results which would be the equivalent of our leaving search they came out about two two weeks ago so all the college places would have been out after that. I, I hadn't thought about that one, that it is going to affect a number of Irish students who will be going and hoping to go to the U- UK for college. But it is what it is. And from next year, I imagine they'll be back to the normal time. They're normally out actually the day before the A-levels come out in the UK. The R's are normally out, say, on a Tuesday and then the UK results are out on a Wednesday. They're always certainly in the same week. So it'll go back to that next year. But that's of not of much use to this year's uh, students for sure. Thanks for your text to 0862103103. Now, I started the programme this morning by talking about uh, energy prices and listening to the Energy Minister, Eamon Ryan, says the worst is yet to come for electricity and gas customers. And I quoted from him at the Oireachtas meeting yesterday. He said no end was in uh, sight to the forces that are driving bills sky high. John in the city has contacted us. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. John, with the government and they're holding all these meetings about the energy crisis and, you know, here we have the energy minister saying what families need to be most worried about is is how high the bills are going to go. You're fearful about people being disconnected. Oh, absolutely. I just ho- I sincerely hope that the, the government and, and uh, are making uh, provisions with the energy suppliers that nobody will be uh, disconnected and that they will issue a directive to them that nobody will have their power discontinued under any circumstances. We have seen people die in the country from the cold, <clears throat> and we certainly don't want them to see them die from starvation because they can't cook a meal. 
if they can afford a meal. Yeah, and if you think back during the pandemic, there was a ban in place that electricity and gas companies were not allowed to disconnect any customers, no matter how much in arrears they were. Yes, but there was also a directive issued that nobody could be evicted, and yet that continued as well. So a directive from the government like, uh, has to be treated with caution. <clears throat> Yeah, but certainly, certainly there was a there was a moratorium on disconnections during the during the pandemic, but that has since been uh, lifted. Now I know the last time that we contacted, it was um, Electric Ireland, I think, was the company we we contacted about people being uh, disconnected, and uh, they say that they encourage any customer who has difficulty in paying to contact us, and they'll work out some kind of a manageable p- payment plan. But you want you want a ban on anyone being disconnected. Oh, absolutely. It has to be a government directive. If, if, if we are all suffering from the consequences of a war, there can be no profiteering in a war. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, well, that's that, that the big has, one. That has always been the situation. But unfortunately, uh, uh, we don't have a whole lot of uh, guidance in this country. Or we don't have a whole lot of, uh, what I would say, uh, muscle from a government uh, who are at the whim of, of big business. Well, let's wait and see what this windfall tax will be and how much will it be? Yeah, but you see, you'll find any windfall that that will be done uh, or may be done or looked at uh, will be uh, an agreement between uh, the power companies and the government. The government have to set the bar on this. Yeah. But now the power companies can't say that... uh, they're in negative equity because of the profits, that, profits that they've made to date. Huge profits, huge. Uh, on, on, yeah, it's, it's immoral and 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 disgusting. And we have to be very careful with government ministers coming out because I'm sure a lot of us remember when Phil Hogan sat in front of the television drinking bottled water, threatening to cut off people's water because they wouldn't pay. So we have to be very careful about the direction with with we're getting from uh, government ministers. Okay, and, well, and, 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 and it must be it must be treated with caution, and it's up to the people to keep their foot to the, the pedal to the metal on this. Yeah. because we've had successive governments who never held the adjective that uh, failed to prepare, prepare to fail. Because we are now looking, we are now at the coal phase, where we've done nothing whatsoever to to uh, save any of our natural resources for the good of the country, and they're on about water problems. We're surrounded by water. Why have we never had a desalinisation plant uh, put in the country? Yeah, when you think of West Cork and they're on hosepipe bans and water restrictions at at, yeah. at night. Yeah, yeah. And no, no, and no. the big one, the big one is uh, we've I've the offshore wind energy. I mean, we know the wind doesn't always blow on land, but it always blows out at sea. Why yeah. we've been talking about that for years and we still and, haven't got yeah. wind energy? Because you see, there are too many people making uh, uh, money uh, from uh, energy. And we don't we don't know what government ministers are involved in, as we have found out with a with a certain property uh, for portfolio lately. Okay, all right, John. And it does certainly, if to be involved in an energy company at the moment, it does seem to be a license to print uh, money. Thank you for that, and okay, uh, thanks thank uh, for joining us. And we do need some kind of of a ban on. Uh, certainly disconnecting anybody's electricity or gas while this energy crisis is underway and I just can't find the piece but I know I read a piece a couple of weeks ago where the government were talking about that that if anybody went into arrears that all the energy companies
companies would have to give people, I think it was two years to pay it off. They'd have to connect, you know, to um, communicate with the customer and come up with some kind of a way of paying off uh, the bill. But certainly, yeah, I think John is right. Something is certainly going to have to be uh, put in place. 0818103103. Can I just give a quick shout out and see if anybody can offer advice to Rita? who's contacted us uh, this morning. Now, this is one of these upsetting stories to do with bullying. And I know there'll be other families who will have gone through this with their own sons and daughters and might be able to offer advice for uh, Rita, whose daughter was due to, now we're not naming the school or where in the city or county, uh, Rita's daughter was due to go to school, but she was due to go back to school uh, today. Now, this, her daughter, she describes as being very quiet, very quiet girl, and she has been severely bullied in uh, the past. But she has been with a group of girls that she gets on really well with. They're all friends, and these girls have really helped her to overcome the bullying. And because of the bullying, she suffered a lot with anxiety, etc. But these, this group of girls have really helped her. She feels safe when she's in school and when she's with them, and they're in the same class and they're studying the same subjects and all of that. We're talking obviously about a secondary school. Now, yesterday they got a phone call from the school to say they've been reconfiguring the classes and all of that. And unfortunately, Rita's daughter will not be with that same group of girls this year. That obviously led to this young girl, her anxiety going through the roof last night and therefore she refused to attend school today. Now, she has attended CAMS. Uh, Her doctors have recommended to the school and to the teachers that she be left with this group of girls because they they seem to be helping her in some way. Uh, But yet to get this phone call yesterday was absolutely devastating uh, for the family and you can understand why the young girl hasn't gone to school today. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to turn to uh, anymore. I'm really taken aback by that story, particularly when this young girl has attended CAMS. They have letters from the doctor outlining the level of anxiety she's suffering from. I'm assuming that the school are aware that she's been a victim of bullying in the past. I'm scratching my head as to why the school... I mean, the very fact that they rang Rita's... uh, that they rang the house yesterday... They know that this girl was going to be nervous about going to school if she's going to end up in a classroom without this core little group uh, that she takes some support from. So they're aware of what's going on in this young girl's life. So I'm really taken aback as to why the school has made that decision when they're all studying the same subjects at the same level, etc. I really, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, to me, it's the school you're certainly going to have to interact with and try to get the reasons as to why they're doing what they're doing, knowing uh, what your daughter is going through. Anyway, if anybody else can offer any advice to uh, Rita, because they're obviously all very upset, the fact that she hasn't gone to school today. 0818 103 103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Teleporter driver is wanted for an immediate start on a construction site at Bridge Street in Cork City. 087 Sandfield Dental Practice on the Cork Road in Mallow. They've got vacancies for a full or a part-time dental nurse. They're also looking for a receptionist. Please apply by post or by email to hellosandfielddental at gmail.com. Ward personnel are currently recruiting for digger drivers. They're looking for crane operators, lorry drivers and Arctic dumper drivers. 021 and Glanthan National School, they have a vacancy for an office person to work eight hours per week. Now, guard the vetting will be required. For more details, call 022 47101 
Allergy to apply, you can send an application and details of experience to office at glantanns.ie and you need to have it in by this Friday, the 2nd of September. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. I've just seen on a breaking news story that the Mayo TD, uh, Dara Cleary, has been appointed Minister for State at the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment. That, of course, is the replacement for Robert Troy, the Fianna Fáil TD. Was had been tipped as the potential candidate, a candidate alongside James Lawless and Neve Smith. So it's Dara Killeary as a Minister for State for the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment. Now, Fianna Fáil TD for Cork Northwest, Andreas Moynihan, has called on the Minister for Transport to address the ongoing backlog for NCT tests, with many drivers getting very frustrated with the current process. Deputy Andreas Moynihan uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Andreas. Good morning, Patricia. And, and firstly, your reaction to Dara Killeary's appointment, good move? Ah, yeah, many congratulations to, to Dara. Um, and, you know, uh, he, he served in a similar department previously and I know he's going to make a very strong job on, of it. OK, all right, well, well done to him. Now, the current back backlog at NCT centres, Dara, is this all down to the impact from COVID, particularly when things like the NCTs were deferred, etc.? Yes, we're from that, that uh, the, the test had stopped and that, uh, the, you know, it was all building up uh, over some time and then they, they're they trying to clear that backlog. But they do have uh, difficulties as well with recruiting people, um, mechanics and, uh, you know, kind of support staff as well. And between all that, it is more difficult for to, to clear the backlog and people have been waiting longer and longer to get their test done. In many of the 48 test centres, you'll see that you'll be waiting three, four, five months for to, to book a test. Um, and it's it's very frustrating for people then uh, when they want to get the test done to make sure they have everything in order. Um, people have been raising with me that they're concerned that if, they're, if the test is not done, that the insurance and so on is invalid. But also... Um, newer drivers who are lining up for the, the driving test, they need to make sure that they have the certificate up on the, up on the window. Well, they can't uh, do the test. They, they're, they're not allowed to do right. the test. That's right, yes. It's going to be, it's part of the test that they're going to be pulled up on it if the cert is expired and their test failed. So, like, they're already under enough pressure um, having had to, to get the lessons and to wait for the, for the driving test without this added pressure on top of it. Um, and, you know, they're going to be looking, scrambling all the time on short notice for to find uh, vacancies uh, on the time. So really, it's, it's a very stressful time for both the newer drivers, but also people who are looking for to, to get that test done on the car and make sure that they have all their... Uh, their paperwork in order and that their insurance doesn't get invalidated. Yeah, but but didn't the insurance companies come out and say that your insurance wouldn't be invalidated? Yeah, it's it's still the concern for people that they they just want to get their business done, uh, that there shouldn't be a backlog there and that they should be able to to be in order on it, uh, both for people who are looking for it to be 
you know, having it, having their business done and everything in order on the road, but also for those newer drivers who, who feel that pressure then as well as they're presenting for the test. Yeah, and in, in fairness, we, we had one of our listeners contacted us because her son was uh, due to take his test and the NCT was, was out and he had a promise of an NCT test, but it wasn't for, uh, for nearly two months and she thought he was going to be fine if he turned up and was able to prove that he had an NCT test uh, booked. And of course, we looked into it and we knew he wouldn't be able to do his driving uh, test. But in fairness, we then told him to get on to his local NCT centre, explain the dilemma he was in, and they sorted him out. Yeah, there's there's a a lot of searching for casual vacancies in it in case somebody else doesn't show up and that you're you're on there uh, looking for to find... uh, you know, it could be on the day that you're finding a, a vacant slot uh, that somebody didn't show up in the morning. And it's very hard to depend on that. And it is very stressful for people. And really what you want to do is you want to get to a, a system where, yeah, you can book. And, and we've had it much better uh, over the, the last number of years, a system where you can book and you know your time and plan ahead and be organised. Yeah. And I think I think they need to, to get back to that situation where you can, where the bookings are available and people are able to, to plan. And, you know, th- there's a number of different ways. And I, I mentioned it earlier that there is a difficulty uh, recruiting uh, people, uh, both mechanics and support staff, uh, right across industry. Um, and the, the, the NCT are, are trying to, to do recruitment as well. Um, I think they need to look at a whole swathe of different options uh, if there is ways of speeding it up, and I know they've looked at overtime as well, and if if possible, then as well to look at the the option of the the other test that's available, uh, and to to you know to, to to learn from that and to use any spare capacity. You're, you're suggesting you're suggesting the commercial testing service. That's right. Yes, that if it if it can support them for to speed things up and to clear the backlog. Yeah. That. The, we, we see the same vehicles on the road, whether they're tested uh, in the commercial centre or in the, the NCT. Uh, it, you're, you'll, you'll come away with a, a valid search for to say that your vehicle is roadworthy. And, you know, if the NCT people are under that, but that much pressure, why not, uh, you know, use any spare capacity that's there and clear the backlog uh, and put people in a position where they can plan ahead, book a test date uh, and, uh, you know, be, be be organised and planned ahead. Yeah, I, I, and I just worry when I hear, I mean, we know that this is the, the backlog is due to the, to the spillover from uh, COVID and that they'll eventually get through the backlog. But if what you're saying that there is a recruitment issue, that means, you know, going forward, we could always end up with these excessive delays if they don't have enough staff. Yeah, we're we're seeing that right across uh, so many different industries that it's difficult to recruit people, and the the test centres are are no different. Um, as I'm sure many of your listeners are, and uh, right right across industries. And you know, okay, this has built up from uh, pandemic, uh, but they are under that pressure as well for to to recruit people, and you know, any step that can be taken to clear the backlog because I feel it probably is a one-off that it's built up there now from the pandemic and if it can be cleared and that they can get on top of it that people would be uh, able to go in, make an online booking 
and have their test within a, a number of weeks and be able to, to get on with their business. Yeah, and of course, the real danger here is that people could be driving around in a car that would fail an NCT and it's not in a roadworthy condition. I mean, that's one of the, from a road safety point of view, that's why we introduced these tests. That's right. The whole purpose of it was to, to ensure that there was, that vehicles were safe on the road and that people were safe uh, and that they could trust that the the other cars and vans and vehicles around the road were, were safe as well. And the test, in fairness, has has uh, forced a lot of us to, to maybe do things, uh, keep, keep our car in that bit better shape. Uh, and, you know, often, I've, and I found it myself, that, you know, things like the suspension, you might notice it when you're driving the car all the time, but when somebody comes in and does a test on it, they'll be more likely uh, to, to spot it. And the test has... Uh, prompted lots of improvements uh, on, on things yeah. that, uh, that mightn't otherwise or that might okay. otherwise and, and I know we touched on this at the beginning but this is a concern for so many people including Peter in West Cork says what happens if you're involved in a crash and you don't have an NCT uh, disc due to the backlog are you insured now I know insurance companies but it's, it was, it's an individual thing for each insurance company isn't it it is and like it's, it's the concern that will be there for for motorists as they're uh, driving along then as well uh, God, you don't want to be in an accident situation to be discovering um, that you mightn't be fully covered yeah and like insurance is all about uh, they tell us about being peace of mind this is a question that they need to be able to to set aside and the the real way of setting it aside is not from a statement from the insurance companies it's by getting the test yeah. uh, finished 100% 100% and just a final one on this from a Skibbereen listener says seeing as you're speaking about NCT I booked mine yesterday uh, it's due on the 22nd of September the earliest date I can get almost six months away 21st of February 2023 they looked for my car details obviously when I was booking it but what I've just realised was they've taken the 55 euro I thought that that wouldn't be taken uh, until the day of the NCT I booked online as I usually do uh, says Gibbon Lister very same thing happened to me last week I was I had to book mine it's due beginning of September I haven't got a date until October and I only discovered a few days later that yeah I, I always thought the money went out on the day of the test as well but it's not it goes out when you book just to make people aware of that to make sure that they have money in their account Andreas That's, that's true because um, most people the expectation is and you'll be asked for the card uh, because they're, uh, on the online bookings will be your your credit card. You'll be asked for it. Yeah. Inside on the centre as well on the day. But it goes uh, it goes on on the day you make the booking. Okay. Somebody else says give local garages a bit of business. That will be a ray around it as well. Okay. And before I let you go, I can see a text in from Eileen, one of our listeners in Ballancolic, and says, please, while you have Deputy Andreas Moynihan on the line, will you ask him about our local Gwale Skull? When will we get a permanent home? There are a number of years on a temporary site in Ballancolic Rugby Club. We need a permanent school uh, site. I saw you on the papers uh, welcoming some, some news for schools in Ballancolic. Yeah, that's right. The um, the the school, the Grail School, and the, uh, the Grail School has been on, on the go a number of years and like a lot of newer schools, they start in temporary accommodation. There's actually good news on that uh, in recent days as well is where the CPO, the compulsory purchase order for the site has been published and that's a site for both schools together. Um, the Lakeela Secondary School and uh, Grail School in Cashlawn. Now it's going to take a, a little time to get uh, the whole purchase completed and that opens up an opportunity to, to plan and to design and build the schools. But 
but a very big milestone there in recent days and very positive news on advancing the school site. And it's on, on a 15-acre site on the western side of Ballancolly, isn't it, if I remember rightly? That's right, yeah. yes, in Lachines, Lachines. Uh, just across from Apple Green um, on the western side okay. of Ballancolic. Okay, good news for the pupils of the future in Ballancolic for sure. Listen, Andreas, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Bye and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Fianna Fáil, Dáil Deputy for Cork Northwest, Andreas Moynihan. Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, as we spoke about earlier in the week, Irish Water has introduced a host pipe ban in West Cork for the next four weeks at least in order to conserve uh, water at 30 water supplies in the area. And then yesterday, came the news of the reintroduction of nighttime restrictions in the Clonakilty area. So to see how farmers are getting on in West Cork, I'm joined by Barry Row-based dairy farmer Harold Kingston, who is of course also Munster Regional Chair of the IFA. Good morning to you, Harold. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome uh, to the programme. What has this lack of rainfall, and particularly lack of rainfall in West Cork, what has meant what has it meant to the farming community in the area? Yeah, and, and, and I think the, the important word there is particular because uh, the, some of West Cork has, hasn't been uh, hit as, as badly as other areas uh, and, and indeed other areas of Cork as well. So look, it, it, it's basically after reducing the, the growth of grass in particular. Um, like if, if you think back to 2018, which seems so long ago, but it's not that long ago, we, we ended up with a, with a drought in the middle of the summer uh, when straight after first cut, so for, for the, the summer months there was practically no growth. This year my growth rates were actually fine and, and exceeded last year's up, up to the end of June. Uh, since then it's been dry, uh, but all of a sudden now we're, we're in a situation where there's, there's practically no growth. Um, and at this stage of the year we should be actually building up extra covers of grass in order to have um, grazing right the way through the autumn because that's, that's the key thing that we have, you know, You'll, you'll find certain parts of the country will, will have uh, very late springs and very early autumns. So, in other words, they have to house the animals until April or, or maybe house them early. Uh, we, we make use of, of the growth rates in the spring and autumn. So this year, uh, it looks like this particular area and we're going to miss out on, on, the, on the autumn grazing, which is going to be fairly expensive. So does that mean some farmers in, in August are already using silage bales? Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's quite a few of us. So I'm 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 using uh, hay bales and silage bales, depending on the the particular stock. Um, believe it or not, what I'm what I've been doing there for part of this morning is preparing a house. I'm going to put in my my young calves in, into a into a house for the next couple of weeks, um, because with with the with the rain that's forecast uh, now for the weekend, which I hope does come. Um, I know people going to electric picnic will probably be giving out about me, but I, I hope it does come. Um, that means then for, for, for calves and very short grass, the chances of them actually picking up uh, parasites and so on from the ground is greatly increased because of, of um, muds from their feet getting onto the grass and so on. So for to protect that and protect the ground, I'm going to actually put them in for uh, for a number of days on, on silage. Just um, while we have, I mean, it, it, it's, yeah. is it pretty heavy downpours are expected? Yeah, so uh, no, it was supposed to come Friday, now it's coming Saturday. Uh, who knows, it could be Tuesday yet. Um, but the all the models seem to be suggesting now oh, that, that you could actually be looking at maybe two inches of rain uh, in, in this area over the weekend. Um, so it, it could actually go from peace to a famine in terms of, of rainfall and a lot of it coming off. So 
clearing drains and so on all be priority for the next uh, couple of days as well, making sure that water doesn't suddenly end up getting into houses and stuff. Yeah, because um, the, and, the, you know. the, the, the ground is rock hard, isn't it? Yeah. So if you get yeah. torrential downpours, that's not it'll what we need. It'll just flow off. Yeah. yeah, it'll just flow off. So you need to get a, so- a bit of soft rain first to soften it and then it'll, it'll take every, every drop it gets in at that stage. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, but that the chances of it actually growing an awful lot of grass, oh, I hope I'm proved right, proved wrong with this, um, but the chances of it growing a lot of grass for this autumn, uh, like in 2018, the rain came the first week of August and it just took off. There was no need for nitrogen or anything. Nitrogen was in the ground. It, it just took off growing and, and we, we had a fantastic autumn. So we had practically the same amount of grass growing for the year. Um, this year looks like being, being a slightly different setup then. Yeah, because Met Aaron are already predicting why we're in for this wet uh, period, and I know Leinster and Ulster are to get more of much more of the rain than we we mm. we are to get. Uh, but then they're they're sort of predicting there's another two weeks of good weather on the way. So that no, that doesn't define, hold. Define good, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Now look, look. I, I know there's people be probably shouting at the radios about the Killjoy farmer. No, complaining about the, the the sunshine. I love the sunshine. The animals love the sunshine. Um, it's just purely about keeping them fed and keeping water going to them. Um, like you know, you were talking about the water restrictions and so on. Uh, I've obviously had to. Well, there's no point in doing this in reactionary. This has to be something that you 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 plan over a number of years. So. Um, what I did a couple of years ago was I put in a, a water reservoir, which means that uh, water builds up during the night in this reservoir, and then during the day when cows drink a lot more water, it's available to them. Um, it, there's a bit of cost in it, but at least it's available to them. Um, like the nighttime restrictions, the reason why those restrictions are, are likely to come in is, is because of, of water leaks in the system, and if you cut down the pressure for the night, that means there's less water leaking. That's that's what happens with Irish water, and that's why... Yeah, why that isn't... That. Water restrictions are not to do with up too many people having showers at 2 o'clock in no, the morning. That's not no, what that's not, about. No, it's specifically to do with water wastage. Um, and, and like that, that was obviously the number one thing that I had to make sure of is that I didn't have water wastage on the farm. But but like the the other side of it, then you know, it, it's about having it available. Um, farmers do pay for water if they if they get it from the mains. Uh, unlike households, uh, all businesses, including farmers, pay for it. So we we do watch it fairly closely. Um, but most most of my water is coming from from wells um, uh, because it, it, it's cheaper. I'm not sure what what that's going to work out this year. It might actually be cheaper um, from the mains shortly because of the way the electricity prices are going. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a case of having enough of it available at the time they need it. It's not necessarily the total volume. It's, it's about having it available at the time you need it. Um, do mo- do most that. farmers have their own wells, Harold? I'd say, yeah, the majority of people would, but not everybody would have access to it um, for various reasons. Some of it's to do with, with land topography and, and so on. And, you know, if you happen to be on the top of a hill, there chances are you mightn't have access to it or whatever. It's, 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 it's availability there. Sometimes as well as to do with the size. Um, so like I, I, I would be renting land um, a, a, a little bit away from here. Uh, and 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 it, it's it's mains water is all that's available in 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 that area, and I'm very thankful to have it available there. So you know, for, for a lot of people, a lot of farmers with small blocks of land in particular, if the mains is available, then it's it's actually going to be the cheapest option in total because you don't have the cost of a well and the cost of maintaining a well, um, or, or the cost of drilling a well. And <laughs> in, in that area, you mm-hmm. might even have available electricity in that spot. So it, it's a, it's about actually having having available water is, is the key. So yeah, a lot of farmers would be using mains, but generally speaking, most farmers would have access to a well. You you mentioned uh, the dreaded electricity prices there, yeah. uh, Harold. 
what about elect, uh, electricity outages that we've been that mm. they seem to be talking about and we could be facing uh, you know certain times of the day where, where we won't have power and everybody talking about needing to cut back on electricity between five and seven where, where does that leave you well it's, it's, a, it's a drought by another <laughs> another way as well um yeah like look I, I have a generator here for years because I, I happen to be at the end of a line uh so if, if anything goes wrong between me and Brandon <laughs> pretty much I'm, I'm gone out here no, in fairness, um, there, there was a lot of work done uh, by by ESB, um networks over the past number of years, improving the the lines in the area. And there are um, different backup systems and so on. But I, yeah, I have a generator because with, without it, like I won't be able, be able to move cows, or I won't be able to pump water, um, or or there won't be an electric fence to make sure the animals stay where they're supposed to be. So it, it's critical that I have electricity available at all times. Um, and, you're, the, and, and the cows, the cows have to be milked. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, like, like, no. Look, you can, you can, you can wait for an hour or two, or you can, you can change times around a bit if you have to. If, if there's, if there's outages. But like, I, I, I remember uh, there was there were strikes there some number of years back, uh, quite, quite a while back now. And I remember that that at the time, like we, we had um, uh, the, the generator, and that, that allowed us the freedom then for that eight hours to, to, to get through and so on. Um, and it's about planning your, your day around it, and about making sure that all tractor work is done outside of those hours so the tractor is available for the generator during those hours um, you know for, for, for people in, in, in a house it means that you don't open the freezer for that time so you, you plan your day around it making sure that you have um, you know your stuff out of the freezer or your stuff out of the fridge before the power goes out and, and that uh, you know it's about planning um, so yeah. whether you're whether you're operating a house or operating a farm it's about, about planning it and, and rather than just knee-jerk reactions about being, being ready and, and planning around it Okay, and uh, with this uh, current problem in West Cork with uh, lack of water, you follow weather patterns because of what what you do. Uh, Somebody saying, ask Harold, is this all down to climate change? Well, certainly, like, you know, I I have noticed the climate changing. Um, So, you know, the predictions all along were to do with wetter winters and drier summers. Um, I, I don't think anybody has specifically predicted this particular uh, anomaly, which is the, the dry August, um, and because normally August is actually one of the wettest months of the year. Uh, you don't notice it's the wettest month of the year because of the fact that its temperatures are normally fine, so things don't stay wet. Um, so it, 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 it is actually normally the wettest month. So this is, this is definitely something that I hope we're not going to see an awful lot more of. But it is about planning for the fact that we will have drier summers and, and wetter winters and, and having your your feeding systems and, and, you know, you make use of the growth when it happens and, and you, you uh, save it and, and, you know, it's like a rainy day fund. It's about, about having, a, having a dry day fund as well. Mm, yeah, absolutely. OK, and uh, just finally, somebody with a very good memory says, ask Harold how he is after the COVID. That's the last time you spoke and that was the last time we spoke. You were, was, you were yeah, battling yeah. to recover from COVID. How are you getting on? Uh, sure, it's it's a long process. Unfortunately, it has turned out to be long COVID. Ah, um, yeah. So, you were so hoping it, at the time that it wasn't. Yeah, but no, it's it's taking a while. Uh, is it? So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, look at again. It's 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 about planning my day and about making sure that I take breaks and and so on. Energy um, levels still down, are they? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, look, I I just have, have problems in the in the chest, and because of problems in the chest, and the my left arm gets tired very quickly as well. So. It, it does limit me quite a bit. Um, so such, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing any long journeys. It's a no nasty, nasty virus. It, it, it really thing, is. Yeah, yeah it, it really is. is. It Listen, is. look after yourself. Pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that, Harold.
Thank you, Patricia. Thanks a million. Bye bye. That is Harold Kingston, Munster Region Chair of the IFA and a dairy farmer based in Barry Row. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And just to update you on that, on that press release that we got in just as we were heading into news at 12, and this is to do with the nighttime water restrictions in the new market area. I know Barry on the news was talking about the nighttime restrictions that have kicked in in uh, Clonakilty in West Cork, but now it's the turn of some people in the North Cork area. The restrictions will be on the Ballinatona scheme. And uh, Irish Water and Cork County Council say they are required to give the reservoir time to replenish and is necessary during the off-peak time as there is a possibility that there will be insufficient water supply to homes and businesses during daytime hours without putting these measures in place. So the restrictions will be implemented all week from 10pm. So it's earlier than the restrictions in in Clonk kicking at 11. So it's from 10 o'clock tonight until 7am in the morning. It'll be in Priory Park. Lismire and Killowen areas initially but I'm told on this press release it may be required in other areas if higher demand and lower the normal rainfall levels uh, continue. Now at present they say Irish Water say there are no plans to implement a water conservation order for the new market area that's the host pipe band but they do say everybody needs to continue playing their part in helping to conserve water. Members of the public are asked to please report any leaks in the public water network by contacting Irish Water 24-7 on 1-800-278-278 or you can go to water.ie but that's uh, from 10 o'clock tonight if you get your water from Ballinatona Water Supply in Newmarket, those restrictions are kicking in. 0818 103 103. And thank you, by the way, to a number of people who have reacted to the interview that I did earlier this morning with young Mary Kate, the young college student. She's got her first year down in UCC, loved living in Cork, loved studying in UCC, really enjoying her course and college life. And unfortunately, she finds herself, she has looked everywhere to try and source accommodation for this year. She's been slightly outpriced to the market in some of what was available, but she said she wasn't even having any uh, luck with uh, digs either. And we just put the shout out to see if anybody had a room available or if anybody was willing to offer digs. And we did get a couple of people who've contacted us and we've taken telephone numbers and contact details and we're going to put people in contact with Mary-Kate and we will update you. But it would be fantastic as a result to Mary-Kate joining us on the programme today if we were able to find a accommodation for her because she just came across as such a lovely, lovely young girl and she deserves every chance that she can get to continue with her college studies because the idea of her spending over six hours a day between trains and buses commuting between Tralee and UCC is just really not on. That's just how would you even be able to study properly with that kind of pressure having to go Monday to Friday between trains and buses. So let's keep our fingers crossed and see if we can get affordable accommodation sorted out for Mary-Kate. As I say, I will update you. And can I also give you some... This is a really, really nice text that came in reacting to a piece that I did again earlier on in the programme 
Rita who had contacted us about her daughter who she describes as very very quiet young girl who unfortunately has suffered really really severely at the hands of uh, bullies during her time in school she's in secondary school now she does suffer with anxiety she's had to go through and she's had times uh, where she's uh, needed the help of uh, CAMS but she got a, a group of other young girls her own age in her own class who have been absolutely fantastic to her in the last couple of years in school. They're all in the same class uh, together and her level of anxiety has dropped completely because she's with this, has made friends with this group of uh, girls and everything has been going fine in school until today, first day back, but the parents got a phone call yesterday to say that unfortunately, you know, for some reason we can't find out why. We are endeavouring to try to find out why. They've reconfigured the classes in Rita's daughter's school and Rita's daughter now will no longer be with that friendship group that she's been relying on so much throughout the last few years in school and because of that her anxiety levels went through the roof last night and obviously she refused to go to school this morning. Rita contacted us to see if, was, if there was anyone who could offer any advice or suggestions on, on what that they could do even though they've had letters from the doctor for the school to say that it is important that Rita's daughter stays with this friendship group who are really helping her through her school years. Well, that led to uh, a gorgeous uh, message in from another young man who's out of school now by the name of Shane. And Shane said, I had uh, that the story of Rita's daughter triggered a memory that he had when he was in secondary school. He said, we had a guy in my year who also was very shy and very nervous around certain people because of bullying. He was then put into a different class at the start of the new year, just like what Rita, Rita's daughter, what they plan to do with Rita's daughters this year. But myself and some of the other lads knew that this particular boy really wasn't going to do well and he was really going to struggle and he'd never have spoken up for himself. So we asked our year head if we could have a chat after our morning assembly and we told him the story about this young lad. Within the week they understood and they moved him back into our main class because they wanted him to thrive and they wanted him to make the most of his school journey. Maybe Rita's daughter's friends could do something similar even though schools really do need to have more sense when it comes to things like bullying especially when it's already been noted by the person being um, bullied and by her parents Uh, not leaving it to the students to be the ones who have to act like sensible adults uh, with more cop on. Well well done and what a great group of young lads to have had the foresight to realise that this boy was going to struggle by being in a different classroom and maybe he was going to go back into a classroom where some of the bullies had been as well. So well done to uh, Shane and I think it shows the mark of the man uh, um, for Shane and his other that other group of boys who decided to do something about it. Thank you for that to 086 2103103. I can see some calls coming in for Peter. Keep those coming, please, because Peter is going to be joining us later on in this hour. Morning, uh, Patricia. Some other of your WhatsApps in. Morning, Patricia. I'm wondering, are many people going to put up Christmas lights this year with the cost of electricity? That's from Ed in Dunmanway. When I saw your message come in, Ed, it made me smile because it's something actually I've thought of because I love driving around at night and seeing Christmas lights and I love seeing people who really decorate their gardens. And that struck me as well. I wonder, will people stop and think 
about what Christmas lights uh, to put up. Now, I don't have any outdoor lights, but I do like a lot of the Christmas lights around the house. But I, I use all those LED ones and I'm assuming they don't use a lot of electricity. And I don't know about outside lights, but will it have an effect? I don't know. So we'll put it out there to people who do, because people who put a lot of work and effort into garden displays, generally speaking, it's kind of around this week sort of the beginning of September that people start to put the work in place because those very elaborate displays in people's gardens don't go up overnight. It takes months and months of planning and getting everything out of the attic and sorting everything out and what's working and what's not working. So I wonder, will this lead to some people not putting up Christmas displays this year and it would be very understandable with the cost of electricity because certainly for some of the very larger displays there certainly is a cost involved. I have heard of some people who use generators for us so maybe people will go, will go down that route instead but Ed yes I, I do think people will stop and think thank you for your text on the NCT okay we've had a couple of commentary in about this and this was our piece that we did with Andreas Moynihan just citing the fact that the cost uh, are that the, the delays with the NCT and that the NCT centres need to do something about it and need to make NCTs available to people at the time when they need to have their NCT. Somebody said, sent in a text in the middle of that saying, I, rem- I remember when COVID was rampant, rampant and we were all told we had to take personal responsibility for our safety and indeed the majority of us did. So this texter says, why can't everybody do the same when it comes to the NCT? My car is due for NCT in December of this year. I booked my test in May. I've got an appointment date for the 30th of September. Therefore, no problem. It's people being bone lazy. Now, I think that's a bit of a mean text. And well done to you for being so uh, organised. Not many people are as organised as that. Some people are, and it's terrific that you are. But I think you're wrong saying people are bone lazy. I think people apply either when they get notification to say your NCT uh, is, uh, is up. And I don't think it's a laziness thing. Traditionally, when it came to NCTs, we didn't have this level of delay in waiting. This is a spillover because of COVID and NCTs were delayed and they were deferred and that's the reason for it and hopefully going forward it will sort itself out and we won't be in a similar situation to what we're in this year even though listening to Andreas Moynihan saying there's a recruitment issue with the NCT centres there could be delays and if that be the case then they do, they do need to look at how NCTs are operated if they can't get uh, the workers but I'm glad to know that you're so organised and I really do hope that you pass your NCT with flying colours when you take your car in on the 30th of uh, September. Hi, um, also just on NCT, somebody else was on to say, if you ring the NCT centre rather than booking online, my car is due uh, for test at the end of September. I booked after my holidays and I got, I've actually got an appointment for the 8th of September. I never use online booking, says Tim. I always call them instead. OK, and even though we're constantly being told to use everything online, there's Tim saying by ringing them. He got his NCT and he got it very quickly. And Joe in Kilmalik says that he rang up a few weeks ago to the NCT centre. He also got a test date within three weeks and he said different 
to what the listener from Skibbereen, the money's come straight out of the account and I backed that up saying that happened to me last week as well. Uh, Joe says he's, he rang, he's got his booking for three weeks time and he's told he will pay when he goes to the centre. He was, he's in Kilmallock, his nearest NCT would be in Charleville, he's after getting the Charleville centre and the number that Joe rang was the Dublin number 41359940141359940. Now he does say to people that when he rang the number firstly there was a message on the line but he said stay on the line and you will get through to an agent now he didn't say how long he had to wait to get through but judging by the tone of the call from Joe I don't think he had to wait too long so that's for people who urgently need an NCT or if you're one of those people that just don't like driving around without having a valid NCT uh, search but certainly that young lad who needed his driving test we got that sorted by them ringing I'm assuming the same number and he got his test very very quickly indeed and he passed the NCT and if my memory serves me right he passed the test as well didn't he didn't Mammy come back and say he passed the test I'm sure she did 0818103103 Tony and Bandon says on the news this morning we're hearing of a 1000 euro funding for streetscape in the town of Bandon yet the road surface on North Main Street in Bandon is basically rubble according to our Tony in Bandon he said my car was damaged months ago I know of others whose cars have been damaged everything from tyres to suspension some even failing their NCT tests because of the damage on that road uh, this is the main road from Cork heading towards Dunmanway on into Bantry all of our beautiful tourist areas it is an absolute joke says Tony in abandon oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three some of your texts uh coming in uh, we spoke about climate change and in particular we were talking about farmers and how farmers were affected when I was chatting with Howard Kingston with the drought Frank says this is climate change in action look didn't we have it back in 2018 didn't we also have a drought we did and actually Howard spoke about it Frank feels that farmers now have too many animals on their farm and when the weather won't play ball there's absolute mayhem do we need to look at the number of animals in our herd Ross says first we blame Covid for everything now we're blaming the war in Ukraine Let's blame ourselves for lack of forward planning and lack of infrastructure, says uh, Ross. That's why we're all paying high electricity bills. Staying on electricity bills, Mike said, I'm very concerned at the price of energy and the impact that it's going to have on families and in the long term on people's mental health. Energy companies making billions of profits at these very, very difficult times is simply immoral, says uh, Mike. And I agree with you 100 percent. It was one of the points I made at the top of the programme this morning. Thank you for your text, Mike, to 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Rock Chapel Community Centre are pleased to announce the return of the card games. It's on tonight, 9 o'clock sharp. Now, all existing players, as well as new players that would be interested in a great night 
of entertainment are more than welcome to attend. And as part of the recent National Heritage Week, Dukas Conakilty Heritage commissioned a 30-minute YouTube video on the history of Timaleague, with special emphasis on the history of the famous abbey that dominates the village, as well as the Church of Ireland Church Building and the Catholic Church. There are a number of other interesting snippets of information also relating to the War of Independence period within the locality, researched and narrated by Dermot Kingston and Michael O'Mahony. The video is top quality and it's free to watch. You simply type in Dukas Clonakilty Heritage on YouTube and select the Timaleague 2022 video. Cape Clear International Storytelling Festival taking place from this Friday to Sunday the 4th of September with a combination of live daytime events on Cape Clear Island but they also have online evening events over Zoom. Due to limited capacity, tickets for the in-person events must be bought in advance. There will be no tickets uh, sale at the door. And Ballinhasset Community Development Association, they've got social dancing in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasset on Friday night. Dancing is to Katrina O'Sullivan. It's from 9.30 to 12.30. Admission, €10, Euro, and that includes teas. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Let me catch up on some final comments coming into the programme. Mary says, Patricia, the best way to get an NCT test is to ring them, as some of your other listeners have said. I went online, I couldn't get a test for at least three months went to hit the phones they gave me a test date actually before my NCT cert actually expires and you do pay at the centre not online only way to go particularly if your NCT test is due soon ring them and wait until they answer and by the way says Mary they are very quick to answer and a number of thank you Mary a number of people are picking up on the I don't know why I assume it's a gentleman because it could be a male who uh, contacted us by uh, text who was saying people are just being bone lazy and that I'm saying he but there's no name on it I just think by the tone it's a man but maybe it's a woman this person said that their NCT is due in September they went online in May and managed to book a test date in September and they felt that people are this person felt that people are just being lazy by not booking in time and that's why people are not able to get an NCT test when they're cert expires. Somebody wants to point out you can book your NCT uh, test three months before your date is June and no earlier than that. And uh, others said because people weren't even using their cars they barely knew when their NCT was up and that it is nothing at all to do with uh, laziness and shame on that person for sending in that text. 0818103103 Somebody is suggesting on Christmas lights you could use battery lights they're brilliant and they're very safe. <laughs> you could that's that is uh, certainly one way around around it and then a couple of people were reacting to a piece that was on our news at 12 midday which was Eamon Ryan Minister Eamon Ryan who was speaking now I'm assuming that Minister Eamon Ryan was talking on his he got kind of doorstepped heading into his first cabinet meeting since the recess in July uh, and obviously a meeting this morning that's going to is going to is going to be dominated by the current energy uh, crisis and just take a listen to what Eamon Ryan had to say helping with good advice on energy efficiency supports the likes of what we did last year doing again um, and working collectively to try and uh, switch away switch to alternatives that's what we need to do and that's the one certainty facing us this winter 
it's going to be a dramatic and difficult period in energy, particularly because the price rises. We will have to manage it. Okay, and what people are picking up on was when he said that we need to switch to alternatives. Uh, John, for example, says, Hi Patricia, I'm amazed to hear Minister Eamon Ryan on your news bulletin at 12 saying we need to switch to alternatives. I have electricity and I have gas. Mother of God, what are the alternatives, says John in Blackpool. I, I, I think cause that's only a snippet of the conversation. I'm assuming he's he's saying that the energy providers have to switch to alternatives. I don't think he's expecting somebody like John in Blackpool who has electricity and the gas. What else is he asking uh, John to do? He did say on the way in, into that meeting that this winter is said to be a dramatic, difficult period in energy because the price rises. But he did say the government will do everything that they can to avoid blackouts. But he's it's the same minister who says the biggest worry is going to be price uh, rises. So I think blackouts now, I think, are going while people are worried about the lights going out people are more worried about the bills that are that are coming in and that's where they're going to want real help from the government so let's wait and see uh, what comes out I don't know if we'll hear anything today uh, but certainly all of that meeting today their first cabinet meeting since their summer holidays will be dominated by the energy uh, crisis and I think people just need to know what help is going to be available for families who are really really struggling at the moment and are going to struggle even further that's the kind of help that uh, people want practical uh, help not being told to go away and use an alternative 0818 103 103 we spoke about water shortages in West Cork the hosepipe ban is in there's water restrictions in Clonakilty and now we're hearing as the morning has gone on Irish Water bringing in water nighttime restrictions in the Newmarket area Tom in Bantry says could they not use desalination machines which takes the salt out of the water surely could be done in coastal regions especially to help out farmers and actually Harold Kingston mentioned it as well I don't know if we've got any desalination plants we're in Ireland you assume that we should be we're surrounded by uh, water uh, you assume that we should be able to do it they do it in other countries um, absolutely and uh, thank you for your call and then somebody contacted us this was to do with NC- when we were talking about NCTs and somebody wanted to raise the issue oh, it was Tony in Bandon wanted to raise the issue of the condition of the road on North Main Street in Bandon and he reckons part of the road is, is rubble was how he described it and the people's cars have been damaged some people have failed NCTs uh, because of it well listening to the programme was local West Cork councillor John O'Sullivan and he contacted the show as soon as he heard me read out Tony's comment to say that contractors are are now being lined up to work on North Main Street in Bandon. Works will take place to resurface the entire section of North Main Street and it'll be from the town hall down to the old post office. So that certainly is good news for the people of Bandon and people who use North Main Street in Bandon. The contractors are being lined up and actually the route that I come here to uh, work we had last week, it was lagging. Am I still give them a shout out because they were fantastic fantastic company Lagan arrived early on the Monday morning and they had sent in a note to let us know they were going to be working on the stretch of road outside of the uh, radio station and they'd be there on doing road resurfacing because parts of it was completely broken up and they'd be doing the resurfacing from Monday until Friday what an efficient bunch of workers they hit the ground running I can tell you by, by the time I was coming into work before 8 o'clock on Monday morning they were already down there uh, starting the 
the, the work and they were gone by Thursday they didn't even need the uh, fifth day and superly superly efficient and certainly we got a wonderful surface now outside of the uh, radio station so I don't know what contractors are going to be lined up in Bandon but uh, if you get an efficient bunch they'll get through it as uh, quickly as possible so just some good news and thank you to Councillor John O'Sullivan for updating us on that OK questions please for Peter Dowdle our resident gardener please if you have a question you can get it into us 0818103103 John Paul taking the questions there or you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Peter Dowdell, our resident gardener, joining us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. Is it too early to say it'll shorten the winter, Trish? Oh, goodness me. Listen, we had the farmers, <laughs> we, we had the farmers on earlier. I mean, they're desperately looking for rain. There is some rain forecast uh, for this weekend. But then Met Aaron are saying they are predicting there could be another good two weeks of fine weather. We often get good Septembers. We really do. And I mean, I think, I think traditionally, I don't know if the statistics back me up or not, but in my memory, September always seems to be nearly our best month. Uh, and while the days are shorter and maybe the temperatures aren't quite as high, it's, it's all normally a lovely month in September. And if you're lucky enough to, that you have time to, to spend some or all of it in the garden, then it's, a, it's nice to have the weather good during it. OK, we have a hosepipe ban for the good people of uh, Clonakilty. Uh, what suggestions for them for, for their gardens? Well, the suggestions, I think, for the, for them and their gardens, I think will resonate for everybody because I think we all need to look at um, ways to, to conserve water and also to be sensible about conserving water in the garden. It's kind of guilty now. It may be other parts of Cork before this is over and certainly in the years to come, it, it's going to be all parts. I mean, I think that's without question. So uh, you're looking at things like, you see, you could look at drought-resistant plants. And the reason I'm kind of chuckling when I say that is because the Irish climate is so unpredictable. We could be looking for drought-resistant plants this week and then we could be looking for flood-resistant plants in two weeks' time. You just don't know. But anyway, looking at plants that are drought-resistant is is number one. And for the for those, a few tips for them are things like plants with silver leaves and plants with very small leaf areas like conifers with needles and things like that. They They lose water through the leaf much slower than other plants but another thing you could look at if you don't want to go to that extreme is by mulching around the plants so what plants lose water in two ways they lose it through the, the transpiration process which is where they bring water up through the root system up through the plant and it goes out through the leaves um, and obviously it, it's it's you know it's difficult to reduce that uh, except by perhaps using as i said plants with with smaller leaf areas and silver leaves but the other way they lose water is through evaporation from the soil so if you can mulch around your plants with a good level of organic materials such as homemade compost even bark mulch gravel anything at all that will reduce the soil or, or the, the the speed of the soil drying out that will help your plants and it'll get them through most most dry periods that we're likely to encounter. Because Emily is in Clannacilty and she said she's hearing the advice from Irish Water to use wastewater from your kitchen. She's wondering, is it okay to put the washing up water out in your garden? Absolutely, absolutely. No, probably not all day, every day, but certainly for for periods, yes. Now, the two things to bear in mind there. Number one, that there isn't any uh, cooked food scraps going into the garden with your wastewater because that'll only draw vermin. So you don't want any... 
of you know the, the tail end of last night's dinner going out into the garden obviously so but normal you know debris free wastewater will be fine and the other thing to bear in mind though is that there isn't any bleach and any, obviously any bleach because that will damage the plants so if it's just a bit of washing up liquid and, and dirty water that'll be absolutely Perfect. fine yeah okay all right let's go to Anne from Bantry says Peter is it too early to hand pick cooking apples the apples this year are smaller than previous years but a lot of them are falling off the tree the birds are having a field day eating a lot of them can I rescue some by hand picking them says Anne Absolutely, absolutely, and I think the reason is, is what we just referred to there. It's the the drought and the the extended period of of low rainfall. That's what's leading to two things. Number one, that they're not fattening up or they're not swelling, but also that's what's resulting in the early early drop of fruit. So it's it's the plant's way of of protecting itself, if you like. So yeah, pick up the windfalls if they're just be careful of wasps and things like that and I think I probably would I know most years I wouldn't but this year I think I nearly would recommend going out to take some off by hand just give them a half turn you know in your hand if they come off relatively easily take them uh, if, if if they're still very small rain probably isn't that far away so maybe leave some of them on but I would certainly take any of the larger ones off yes Okay and Mary staying on apples <coughs> says are red Falstaff apple trees absolutely beautiful red apples but they've got scab on them what has caused this and how do we prevent it going forward well scab is a fungal problem it's a fungal infection on the skin now the first thing to bear in mind i know it's it's unsightly but it's not it's not harmful to eat at all i know it's unsightly but it's not harmful um, to prevent it coming it's it's cultural control in the first instance which is a kind of a fancy way of saying good pruning and good air circulation through the plant so uh, November December is the time to prune your apple tree and what you want to do is you want to you know, without going too far into it on the radio, Trish, what you want to do is try and maintain a tree that has a good open centre. So it's a lot, so you you don't have crossing branches because if branches are crossing in the centre, it does two things. Number one, it leads to poor air circulation, which is the ideal conditions for fungal the development of fungal infections. But also, if they're crossing, they're going to rub against each other, and that will open a wound on the skin of the the branch. And it's through these wounds that fungal and bacterial problems get in. So you don't want any crossing branches. You want good air circulation. So good pruning will help. And it will also, the pruning itself will remove a lot of the disease as well. And then drench it, I would say, next spring, March, April. Drench as much of the tree as possible and the root zone with a, a solution of copper sulfate mixed with water. Uh, now, this is a broad spectrum fungicide, which will help to prevent a lot of these problems. But it should be noted, it is copper sulfate, so you don't use it willy-nilly. You don't use it every week or every month or anything like that. I would say once a year. So it's important to get it on at, at the right time, which is just as the leaves are opening next spring, late March, early April, that kind of time. OK, and I, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. And An osteopernium? Nearly, uh, osteospermum. OK, and a chrysanthemum? Uh, would they yeah. uh, would they live live outside for the winter? Somebody wants to know. That's a, it's a good question. The reason it's a good question is because it depends not on not on that first name, osteospermum and chrysanthemum, but on the next name. So there are uh, there are I think a thousand, certainly hundreds of species of chrysanthemum, and thousands then of varieties. So some of them are only indoor. Some of them are glasshouse chrysanthemums. Some are outdoor. So it does depend on which one. Uh, and the osteospermum is similar. Some of them will, will survive no problem outdoors in Ireland, uh, but some won't. So giving a very vague answer to that, I'm afraid I can't say until we have more information. What I would say is uh, wherever you got them or wherever you're looking to buy them, 
ask ask in the garden centre that you're you're buying them or that you have bought them and they'll be able to advise you. Okay, Hetty's in Glanmire. She has planted different chilli plants. How do you know when they're ready to harvest? Obviously, it's her first time. Well, they'll be ready to harvest, as the fellow says, when they when they look like it, then they're ready to go. It's kind of if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, then it's a duck. So it's the same with the chilies. When when they're when they've if they're a red chili, when they've changed when they've become red, when they've turned red, then then they're good to go. If they're a green chili, if they look big enough, then the, you know if you harvest them too early, you're not doing. It's not going to do any harm. You, you, they mightn't be as spicy and they mightn't be as big, but don't worry about harvesting them too early. I would say harvest a few of them. Uh, try them in the cooking or whatever way you intend to use them and, and see see how they are, see how they go. And Bill in Drumahan, I love the idea of this. He has one of the very old-fashioned Belfast sinks. He wants to fill it with bulbs for succession flowering. Does Peter have any advice on what bulbs to plant and what flowers could he put in the top? Yeah, the, just going back a step, actually, what I should have said just with the chilies, it probably is still a bit too early to, to harvest them on saying that. And if they're outdoors, I'd probably move them in now in a week or two to, so that it, the temperatures will drop a bit too much for the chilies outdoor. Uh, so maybe move them in. I'm saying when they look ready, they are ready, but it's still probably a few weeks too early before they are ready. Okay. Um, the With the succession planting of bulbs, it's a, the first thing to do is make sure that the Belfast sink, that the hole is open so that the, the soil has drainage. Um, uh, it's a lovely thing to do. You've this what what we call lasagna planting as well, which is you know you plant the bulbs in different layers so that you get the, the, them flowering over a longer period of time and at different heights then in the spring. So if you start closer to the bottom and plant something like your alliums, right? So alliums are bulbs that will flower. Uh, they're some of the most beautiful bulbs, and they'll flower kind of during late April into mid June. So they'd be the latest ones and they go in first down at the bottom. They go in a good six inches in, under the soil. And then you cover them with a layer of soil. Then you put in maybe some tulips and daffodils at the next layer. So some of the daffodils, obviously, depending on your variety, will give you will give you colour from January onwards, right through to March, April, depending on the variety. Tulips will be kind of April, May time. Uh, and then cover them with another layer of soil. And don't worry if you're planting on top of bulbs because they'll all find their way up. So don't worry. And then closer to the soil surface, you can plant things like crocus, uh, the little muscari, grape hyacinths, um, uh, anemones and things like this. And they'll all start flowering earlier. They'll be kind of early flowering, February, March. So then you'll have kind of, depending on the varieties of daffodils and that that you start with, you'll have January right through to June with bulbs. Uh, and a couple of flowers on top, if you wanted, just for the winter months, you could look at some some potted cyclamen and, and, and even some maybe a couple of winter heathers just on top and the bulbs will, will poke through them. OK, Mary in Skibreen has a bit of a dilemma. She says in her garden, she has a rose tree and a hydrangea growing beside each other. Or should I say, they used to be growing beside each other. They're now growing through each other. Mary's wondering if she could move one of them and when. They've been growing there for quite a few years, so she's wondering, will it be a difficult job to do? It'll be you okay. The answer to the first part is yes, you can do it. Uh, when to do it, I would say leave it till December, January, the coldest time of the year when when there's no growth at all happening in the plants. Uh, how difficult a job it will be! It's donkey work, is all it is really. It like they'll both transplant relatively easy, or relatively easily. Um, done at the right time of the year with the 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 rose it's kind of like a taproot system so just get as much of the taproot and any any lateral roots that are coming off it get as many as you can you'll have to prune the rose very very hard down to within a foot of its life over the ground um it'll probably be the easier one to get out 
but you'll have a you'll be you you get a, a strong pair of gloves when you're pruning it back. Of course, it'll be the easier one to get it out. The the hydrangea will also move quite easily, but it's just a bigger job of work because you have a much much bigger root system. If it's a mature plant, it will also need to be cut back quite hard to counteract the root damage moving. So as to which one you do, it's it's up to herself. But um, the rose would probably be the easier one yeah. to move. Yeah, passing Mahan then is growing chamomile flowers he wants to know is it an annual and how can he save the seeds for his neighbour because his neighbour wants to grow them next year you could say well it's not an annual no it's it's, it's um, perennial so you'll be fine that way but uh, to the best of my knowledge I don't think there is an. I think they're all perennials the chamomiles but I could be open to correction on that but I think they're all perennial Um Collecting the seeds is very simple. Just wait for the flower, like with anything. And in fact, now is the time of the year. I was just looking out of my own garden. There's some seeds of different plants nearly ready to collect. So uh, just wait for the seeds, the seed pods, which are possibly still green. Wait till they kind of go brown and more straw-like and a bit brittle. And, and the, the seeds will fly away before, before, if you're not ready for them, they'll just fly away. So go out and cut some of the ripe seed pods, bring them into the kitchen table, shake them onto a bit of newspaper on the kitchen table, um, remove any of the chaff, any of the other bits, and just keep the seeds in an envelope or a brown paper bag, and off you go again next Pass year. Pass them on to the neighbour. And a final one, yeah. how do I stop magpies digging multiple holes huh. in my garden? I've tried hanging foil plates on trees and on poles in the garden. I've even tried putting up garden tape stretched across the lawn. Nothing seems to work. Apparently, they are seeking out crane fly larvae, and that's what they're digging the holes for. Well, that's exactly uh, the the larvae of the crane fly, also known as leather jackets. At this time of the year, crows and magpies will will if they're there, uh, will will just make mince meat of the lawn. <laughs> it's, you only need to scarify it after they've been at it in search of the, the these grubs. Um, so the main like how to get rid of magpies is a question I can't answer. I wish I could because I've, I'd be a billionaire. I'd say because they're such a curse. But um, it, so it's dealing with the the. The source of the problem, so the the food source, which is your 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 crane fly grubs in the soil, and even that is difficult. There are nematodes that you can get, which will will go in and attack the the nemat the the grubs of the crane fly, with varying degrees of success. If I'm honest, some people will find the nematodes quite successful. Not everybody. Um, I've never used them myself, if I'm being honest, because I don't have the problem, thankfully. Um, but they are out there. So a quick Google search for nematodes for leather jackets or for crane fly. And the, the, what they are, the Trishes, you know, the daddy long legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they yeah. are. It's, it's it's their their eggs, if you like. That's what they're that's going what the after. Um, that's what they're looking for. So deal okay. with that problem get first, rid, if you can. Get rid, of, get, get rid of the source of their food. Okay, we leave it there, Peter. Thank you for that. Have a lovely week. And you, thanks Trish. And we'll talk again next week. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com. When somebody, by the way, was suggesting that uh, desalination is the way to go, somebody wants to point out, Trish, do you realise desalination uses a massive amount of energy and it results in effluent being pumped back into the sea? Very bad for the environment. Much better would be for Irish water to actually fix the leaks. The tremendous amount of wastage, which we highlighted this week, 40, nearly 40%. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. Um, Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. Thanks to John Paul. Today to on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Cool fact. 
A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 